Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to our first installment of the 2020 editions of the Shiny Developer Series. We are ecstatic for the great success we had in last year's sessions, and I hope you learned just as much as I did along the way. And I'm very excited to be kicking off our 2020 sessions with um, someone I admire greatly from our studio who's been involved in a lot of the shiny educational efforts and more recently parts of the revised shiny contest and other efforts so i hope you join me in welcoming mina chichinkaya rundell to the shiny dev series uh mina how are you doing today i'm doing well thank you how are you doing well thank you so much for joining me and why don't you give our our audience a bit of background and how you became involved with this what i like to call the educational aspect of shiny within our studio um, well, so I started working with our studio in the summer of 2016, I think, and one of the first projects I worked on was related to Shiny, and it was revamping the what we call the Shiny Dev Center, which is shiny.rstudio.com. Um, it looked a little different before, and in addition to kind of revamping the look, we were also working on um, mostly organizing the knowledge on uh, that's available there, so separating what our learning getting started resources from more in-depth articles and then also one of the things i worked on was to go through the articles and categorize them into stages of building um a shiny app so actually if you go to the articles page here now it comes with kind of a, a roadmap for what are the things you might be doing uh, when building a shiny app from start to share but also what comes in between and so we categorize them and so this was not so much a shiny development um you know activity more of a shiny education activity so i work closely with the shiny team in order to make sure that some of the assumptions i was making in terms of categorizing things were what was intended but that was my um my first um kind of engagement with um teaching shiny as part of uh my role at our studio i have previously taught shiny to students at all levels and i continue to do so so i run workshops and i also teach uh one of the things i really really enjoy teaching as part of my university work is teaching a little bit of shiny to students in introductory data science courses who have literally just started learning r about 10 or 15 weeks ago they really love seeing the interactivity so um that's kind of a summary of how i got started with it i've further then developed online courses that go along with it and continue to be involved with maintaining the shiny.rstudio.com page um and most recently uh did a little bit of work on the shiny gallery that i think we'll talk a little bit more in depth in a little bit absolutely um it's great great to hear your story there and i also want to vouch for really the tremendous quality of these articles that you've mentioned here um, I am truly humbled to have one of those on about modules myself, but it's just so great to see all these different aspects of Shiny covered here. And this is always obviously one of the first places I point people to. But you did mention the gallery, which has always been something I've looked at every time I start a new app. And it has gone, what my opinion is, a major facelift, a very substantial update. And I would like you to talk us through about what that process was like to update the gallery and some of the the, the favorite things you've seen in the gallery now and how that fits in to our studio's plans around education around shiny so i'd love to dive deep into that 
Yeah, so the shiny gallery um, is actually comprised of kind of two components now. We've reorganized it into what we've always called the shiny user showcase, although it used to live on a different site with a different layout, um, and then also the shiny demos. Um, the way I would describe these two sections, and I'm going to start with the shiny demos because I won't say as much about them. So the shiny demos are the ones that are actually mostly developed by the shiny development team. Um, so as new features or maybe existing fe features that we feel like need to be expanded upon get developed, um, there is an app and you can see that these apps are, themselves are not the most in-depth apps in terms of they don't necessarily feature many aspects of Shiny at once, but instead they focus on a particular aspect and really drill down on that and try to showcase what is happening there. And many of these apps in the Shiny demos you'll see linked from the articles as well. So there's maybe a long form writing about it that then links to a live app with the code available. And so you can really figure out exactly how a particular feature works. Um, but that, that's helpful if you know what you're trying to build and you want to learn how to do it. Um, or if you're a more advanced user and kind of, kind of put the pieces together yourself. But I think another aspect that's really useful in a gallery is to get inspiration. And we've always had these fantastic, fantastic apps from our um, contributors, you know, just all the shiny users out in the world um, that we've right. showcased. Um, but I think one of the missing pieces there was that not all of them came with the code available. And um, you can imagine it's, um, you know, I had an app there actually from before I joined our studio. And if someone was to tell me, hey, can you share with us the code you wrote for it four years ago and we'll just make it public? I might stop and say, mm, maybe not, you know, okay, because right. things change. So <laughs> right. it seemed like this was a great opportunity to actually not just um, add more content to the existing um, user showcase, but the revamp it. And one of the best resources for revamping it was the uh, last year's contest. So um, the apps that are now featured on the shiny user showcase, and we're going to continue adding to this as well, are apps that have either been winners or honorable mentions on the uh, shiny contest 2019 or ones that perhaps haven't uh, necessarily received either of those, but we've seen some aspect of it that we thought would be useful and inspirational to shiny developers. And so if the people who have submitted uh, their apps to the contest have given us consent to um, have the apps featured here, we've added them. And so we can just look at any one of these. And a nice thing about these apps is that not only uh, can you go and view the live app, but you can view the code. Um, most of these are hosted on GitHub, though not necessarily. Some of the participants may have chosen something else. And one thing I really, really like also is that you can try it on our Studio Cloud because, um, I mean, viewing the code of something is great if you know you're going to use that code. Um, or if you're the kind of person who can stare at code and kind of get a sense of, okay, this is what it's doing. But sometimes you just want to interactively run the code or you know, change a parameter, tweak it a little bit, say, what if I move this here? Would I still get what I really want? Right. Um, and to have to like clone or download or and like set install the packages that were used in that package, hopefully in the same versions that they were, um, you know, 
so sharing the code on something like GitHub is goes a long way towards reproducibility, but it is not the full story. Um, and so a really nice and lightweight approach to that, instead of building Docker containers for each of these apps, was to say, hey, submit it as an RStudio Cloud project. So now each user can actually jump into the RStudio Cloud project, make a copy of that project for their own, and then start tweaking the code, which I think is really helpful. And lastly, we've used these tags. Um, and then uh, what I'd like to see happen, one of the things I'd like to work on going forward is to make these tags searchable. But these are tags that um, so far I have developed based on the descriptions. But in the upcoming Shiny contest, we're actually going to ask users to submit these keywords as well. So if you're looking for, oh, I'd like to see a sampling of apps on, I don't know, um human resources or infectious diseases or whatever you can you should be able to kind of find the apps based on these tags which i think will also help with the inspiration aspect of things yeah these are such welcome additions um i think shiny of anything in the r ecosystem is the one we're just seeing the code at least for my humble opinion is not nearly enough because I am the type that wants to kind of take things apart or see the impact of changing one thing to another. And what better way than to just run it interactively on, in this case, our studio cloud. But the fact that it's so easy to find this is something that to me has been missing from kind of the set of shiny resources online for ages. So I really commend you and the team for thinking of this idea because it is such a better way to learn to actually be able to try it and not just review code and hope you understand it when maybe it's so advanced that you might not. So this is a really nice feature. Yeah. And I mean, I commend the, the people who have submitted to the contest along with these RCDU cloud projects. I know that there were some challenges in doing so. There are a few reasons why it's not the easiest thing to share your code in an environment like that. For example, mm -hmm. if you have API calls and you need the key, and you know, so there, there are some cases that are not even edge cases that are normal cases that might prevent you from doing it. But despite those limitations, I really commend all the participants for like going for it. Um, because ultimately, you know, part of what we're trying to accomplish with the contest is acknowledge people's contributions, even with a small token like hex stickers. Um, but the other thing is to create this, um, you know, knowledge sharing and inspiration sharing as well. Very much. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, this is already, I'm sure a great app and I'm sure they're, um, here's our studio cloud, right? So this is yeah, just how so, easy it is to boot this up. So That's this is just cool. how easy it is. So what you can do is you can say, try it on our studio cloud, which will get you to the project that the um, app builder has put together. You can see that it will say it is a temporary project. So what our studio cloud does when you launch this is it makes a temporary copy of this project mm -hmm. and the packages that are installed are all the packages that the app developer had already installed in their our, our session. Um, and so we can, we should be able to um, just say, go ahead and run the app. Mm, I don't know if you are able to see. Okay, now you should be able to, I opened it in browser. So you should be able to basically see the app pop up. So this is basically the app that I'm running on our studio cloud. Um, so I was able to basically reproduce the app. So I should be able to now make changes to it. 
and see what the what those changes will propagate to in the uh, launched app. Um, if I want to continue working with this, probably what I'll want to do is to save a permanent copy, oh, which sure. will make a copy of this project on my RStudio Cloud um, account so I can come back to it. So if you do start working on somebody else's code and then make changes to it and you want to make sure that those are saved, um, then you're going to want to save a permanent copy of it. Otherwise, any changes that you make here are going to disappear when you close out of it because obviously simply by you know, being able to peek into that, you're not, you're not actually peeking into the app developers project, you're making a copy of it. And if you don't save a permanent one, those changes will go away. I see, yep, very cool. Yeah. So why don't you walk us through some other examples that you think are really cool to dive into with, with um, the gallery layout. And um, actually this is um, a good segue into the fact that you mentioned that a lot of these have been informed by the shining contest itself from last year. And I also greatly enjoy participating in that and just participating in it and then seeing what the community out everyone else was doing in real time was so cool to see this because as a shiny user, it's always been one of those things where what other people were doing was kind of a black box to me sometimes, but seeing all, all those submissions evolve through was really cool. So if you don't mind, maybe you could expand a bit on some of the learnings you have from the first Shiny contest and some of the great examples that you see here on the gallery, maybe some workflows that surprise you and maybe other learnings that you think you and the Shiny team have gained from that experience. Yeah, so, um, so one of the things that I will say that I um, got from going through all the apps um, that were submitted to the Shiny context is, um, there's a type of app that uh, many people built that I hadn't really given a name to or hadn't seen a name for before. And now I'm calling it BYOD, which is bring your own data. Because there are certain types of apps where it's like you upload your own data set and then it does stuff with it, you know? Um, I will say that one of the things that I learned while, and this might be a tip for those who are considering uh, participating in the next contest is some of these apps had came with a canned data set that you could use, which mm -hmm. was really, really nice. And some of them didn't. And so, you know, if it was a genomic explorer type app and you needed your own data set, but it didn't come with one and I don't have one, I don't actually know what those data sets are supposed to look <laughs> like, then it makes it really hard to actually understand um, you know, all the hard work that the app developer might have put into it. So, but sure. I, I like this category of BYOD, the bring your own data type app. So that might be a category that you see in the uh, Shiny Gallery going forward. So another uh, workflow I hadn't really seen before was these walkthroughs that I found really, really enjoyable. Um, so when you get to a new app, sometimes it's not easy to figure out what you should do with it. So right. I think that these nice walkthroughs, so I'll give this one example from the IC app, one of our winners. It basically walks you through what are the things you might want to look at. And it gives you a lot of information about what you might do at each stage. This happens to be a pretty complex app. And so there's a lot that you can do. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can skip certain things and whatever, but, the, but I really like that introductory thing. Um, especially if you're, if the whole point of sharing your app is to showcase the technical capabilities of that app, I think that's a really, really nice, um, 
way to do so. And that's not something I had seen commonly used before. And um, I'll give you an example of um, how that was done with a quick gist. So it actually uses the rintro.js package. And this mm -hmm. is like my um, little thing that I hacked together um, that you can see the usual, um, the old faithful app with the histogram bidding that everyone is very used to seeing. But basically what we're doing is we are adding these intro boxes around it with some texts uh, that comes with it. So um, I'd be happy to share this link of the little gist um, along with the, um, the recording as well. And it, it's really, really easy to implement. And so if you have especially a complex app, I think it's nice to be able to highlight uh, the things that you want. You want to make sure people who are looking at it don't miss. I can see this being useful for highlighting technical things about it, but it might also be useful for general reporting purposes as well. I feel like, you know, right. if you're sharing some findings with your manager, it might be nice to say, here are the three things I want to make sure you don't miss, even though I know you're gonna play around with everything else. Yeah, I've been very, I've been a big fan of this kind of workflow. And um, I'll give a little teaser. One of our future guests on the next round of the Shiny Developer Series has written another package that is very much like our intro JS, but it gives you even more flexibility in this. So, oh, nice. You want to nice, stay very nice. For that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, another thing that I thought was um, great was these apps that don't look like shiny apps. So I'm going to actually um, show you a few of these um, that I really like in no particular order other than those are the things that I kind of thought about as I was um, thinking through this. So uh, we have a few of these here. So one of them is, I really like uh, this app, 69 Love Songs by Magnetic Fields um, because it doesn't really look like a shiny app and most importantly, visual layout wise, it does things like uses the colors from this album from uh, magnetic fields. And it doesn't really matter if you're a fan or not. Um, but I think that it was really, it was really nice to see all these visualizations that I can kind of tell how these were made in R, but they look a little bit different than what you usually see out of the box from R visualizations and shiny apps. So right. I think that was really nice to see. Um, another one is this um, Uber Explorer app, which, you know, at some point almost looks like a um, website than an app, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> um, you would never know so, it's a shiny app unless you're right. browsing to it. Yeah. Right. And so I thought that that was like, that was another example of something that was really nice to see. Once you start looking at it, you're like, yeah, obviously that's a shiny app. I know exactly what that widget is, but right. when you first stumble upon it, it doesn't look like your standard sidebar layout, main plot layout type of thing, which is kind of nice. And um, I will show one other one. Here we go. This is the Cran Explorer, which um, there are a few Cran Explorer apps that I've seen um, and they all kind of try to accomplish different things. But I think, again, this one has that thing that makes it not look as much like a shiny app at a first glance. It's making use of this kind of like, um, kind of single page layout thing really mm -hmm. nicely. Um, and so this was another surprising thing. And then once you get down to this, like I can kind of see where 
the shiny aptness is coming through, but um, I think these are visually appealing things. Um, not necessarily something we look for per se in the shiny contest. It was just like really nice to um, stumble upon sure. while browsing through the apps. And then the other thing is, um, so I hadn't necessarily, I'm not a person who plays a lot of games on their computer. I do other things to waste time. But <laughs> this particular um, app is like, so this gaming app, we've seen a few game type submissions to the shiny contest as well right. that were uh, really fun. I felt this one was nice because this one I actually did waste a lot of time doing, but it's one of these like memory matching um, <laughs> games. But I just like that, you know, it's about the hex um, logos to begin with. And so I, right. and again, this one, it's great. And it really doesn't look like a shiny app, but if you look at the internals, you can see how um, it is the usual shiny uh, structure and then some either additional UI code or HTML templates that the app developers are making really nice use of. So if you're, if anyone is kind of inspired by this sort of a different look, um, the nice thing is all the code is available for all of these apps on the gallery. Yeah, I admit this is a lot of fun to play with and a fascinating take on how you can make something that seems on the surface simple, but yet you can put a real attractive UI around it. And actually the possibilities are almost endless of what yeah. you can do with Shiny. And this one in particular came from, I believe, Victor and Fanny from the Dreamers. Mm -hmm. team. And if you want to hear more about them, we had them on last year's Shiny Developer Series. They're very insightful, very intelligent. But yeah, just another example of one of the many uses of Shiny that you would not expect without yeah. having this contest to uncover all this. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's there's obviously much more than this, but I think the key point is that for the longest time, we might see some of these things out in the wild, so to speak, but then, like you said, it's like, okay, how did they make it? How to kind of actually try it out without like becoming a system architect or something? And now this is all right at our fingertips for the new gallery. So I'm really impressed with what this is having in store for us and hopefully, with the next contest, we'll get even more great uh, submissions. Yeah, there too. I am sure. Yeah. So um, I, uh, you can probably relate to this, but, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier, is that Shiny itself has always been this unique kind of branch or niche in the art ecosystem. And it also brings uh, some challenges that maybe we don't necessarily see from our typical R workflows that are more interactive data science-like workflows. So getting back to your experience a little bit, Maybe you could tell us a bit about some unique challenges regarding how you've been able to develop educational material or workshop material that makes you effective use of Shiny. Maybe you could walk us through some of the, the, the challenges you've had with that and how you've overcome those. Yeah, so I think that, I mean, I think one of the things that is um, a little bit, well, harder per, perhaps is the right word for, teaching shiny is that I think it's very difficult to learn shiny if you don't know a little bit of R. You, in no way do you have to be an R expert. I don't think that shiny development has a whole lot to do with package development as in you don't necessarily have to be a expert package developer in any way um, to be a shiny developer. I think, but, but not knowing any R would make it quite challenging to learn shiny, I think. Um, so that means that the, 
learning resources need to be targeted at this audience, but we also can't expect people to learn everything about R before they learn Shiny. And I don't think that's right. necessary in any way. I think one of the most useful resources we have for getting started with Shiny is actually on the Shiny Dev Center. Um, this um, long tutorial uh, that Garrett Groleman put uh, together, but actually has bits that you can kind of jump through. It really gives you the basics of what you need to learn to get started with Shiny. And along with the video content, there's actually the exercise files that you can download as well. And I've also linked here to a written tutorial that we have had on our webpage, um, you know, forever since Shiny has been around for people who prefer reading as opposed to watching videos. Um, and also a couple of the videos from our studio comps in the past and webinars that I think are really useful for particular aspects of learning Shiny that are not hit on necessarily on that big tutorial. Um, but one of the other challenges I think about learning Shiny is asking good questions. So it's asking good questions is important for any programming task in R. And for most things in R, our recommendation is use, to use the Reprex package that Jenny Bryan has developed for making really nice, contain minimal uh, reproducible examples for asking your questions. Mm -hmm. That workflow doesn't exactly work with Shiny, but that doesn't mean there are no other workflows. So I think one of the most useful resources about this is a um, kind of a meta post that, um, Barrett wrote, who's one of the Shiny developers on the Shiny team, about uh, for debugging and creating a reprex for Shiny. So this is on our studio community. And I think it's a really nice read for people starting to ask questions about Shiny. On our studio community, we see a lot of questions about Shiny apps that has so much of the detail of, you know, so much additional code that doesn't necessarily need to be there. And creating these minimum reproducible examples is both an art and a science, but at least the this post gets the science bit in terms of drilling things down. In no way do I want to discourage people from asking questions. If you feel like that's the most drilling down you were able to do and somebody comes in and says, hey, we can actually make it more minimal, that shouldn't be discouraging in any way. But I do strongly recommend people read through this at least once to kind of help them guide their how to ask questions bit. Yeah, we'll definitely have a link to this in our show notes for this. This is very helpful. Yeah. Um, I think one challenge that we haven't fully addressed yet, but this is something I'd personally like to work on. And I know that we as our studio would like to see more content developed for as well is the t materials for the intermediary shiny user. I think there's a lot of materials for beginners um, and they need some updating. I mean, not, not currently need updating, but from time to time they need revisiting, but oftentimes they stand the test of time because the basics of shiny has not changed. Um, however, and then at the expert bit, if people are, you know, very well versed in Shiny and have been developing Shiny or have been writing kind of Shiny friendlier, Shiny type packages that are add-ons to Shiny maybe, then they maybe don't necessarily need like long form workshop type stuff and they can mm -hmm. like 
see bits and pieces of articles and put the pieces together. But I think there's that intermediary bit where people have moved on from the introductory stuff, maybe are starting to put their shiny apps in production and are starting to think about performance and tuning, um, but are themselves are not system engineers in any way. So they are data scientists kind of pouring into this world. We yep. have great articles for them and we have, resources linked to some of the in-person workshops that we have done at the intermediary level. But I do think that that's the thing that's been challenging to get the kind of the level right in terms of resources that I think we should uh, create more of, but I'd like to hear from others if that's the case. Um, thinking about other educational resources, I think another challenge we had was that we didn't have something great long form written. I mean, the articles, are great and I think they're organized in a way that um, they read nicely as well but they're after all not um, they're written by various people and they don't necessarily always have the same tone but Hadley's thankfully addressing it so Hadley has started writing the mastering shiny book um, and it's still being um, developed so it is in no way um kind of there but i think sure. this is going to be a great resource um for starting with shiny and then getting users to at least the intermediary part uh through the intermediary part of their learning curve so i'm very much looking forward to seeing more of this developed but even as is i think there's quite a bit of content that might be uh, helpful to users yeah, I've been following this uh, since near the beginning, and I'm really excited for the directions Hadley taking this. And I do want to say that, especially based on the feedback I received when I did my um, highlights of the Shining Community poster at RStudio.conf, there is definitely a big appetite for intermediate slash expert resources out there. And I think there's a lot of potential we could have in this space of making additional materials that, you know, obviously Hadley's going to address some of it, but I know some other efforts are ongoing. But I think this is an area that hopefully as time goes on, we'll have even more uh, material around. Even if it's just links to the existing materials that can kind of cover niche topics. This is something that I think needs to happen. And that's one of the reasons I started the dev series is to kind of shed light on some of these more intermediate uses that you might not get necessarily from the beginning tutorials. So I'm really mm -hmm. glad to see mm -hmm. some of the advancements in this space. So I know myself and many others will be watching this closely, very much so. Um, so one thing that we alluded to uh, towards the beginning of this is that, you know, based on the success of last year, you also have another edition of the Shiny Contest currently ongoing. So if you could tell us a bit about what your personal hopes and goals are for this second edition, compared to what you learned from the previous one, and also you have advice for those that are interested in trying it out. Maybe they don't know where to begin or where to start. How would you like to address that? Yeah, so the second shiny contest is in fact ongoing. So the best way to get to, we do have a blog post about it as well, but if you just go to community.rstudio.com, we have a banner that says the shiny contest is ongoing. And I think that'll be there until the deadline, which is 20th of March. Right. Um, so in terms of um, a few things that I'd like to mention about it is that first of all, um, I would love, love, love to see um, 
participation from all levels of people from their uh, sh shiny journey. So even if you've just been developing apps for less than a year, I hope that people will consider submitting their apps. We have a special category for that as well. Because mm -hmm. um, I think that when it, so the reason for this is again twofold. One, to acknowledge people who are developing things um, who might be at the beginning of their learning journey. Um, and also to provide inspiration that is realistic for people who are just starting off. It is fantastic to see these amazingly complex shiny apps, but if you go to the gallery and you feel like this is all like, these are the best shiny apps or these are the, it might sometimes feel like these are the only shiny apps and that's mm -hmm. not the, that's not what we want to convey. So it would be sure. great to be able to showcase things that sit between the very complex shiny apps that people may have been developing as part of their work for multiple years. You know, some of these apps are part of like scientific publications that people have been working on as a team for a long time. And also the shiny demos that we have that are there to kind of highlight a particular feature of shiny that we've developed, not paying a whole lot of attention to its UI and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it would be nice to have, be able to provide some inspiration in that mid-level area. Um, as an educator myself, I love seeing apps that I designed to teach people things. Um, I am a statistician by training. I've used Shiny yep. a lot to teach concepts like probability and central limit theorem and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I know people can get quite creative with that. So I'd love to see stuff like that coming through because I think it's a great use of Shiny for educators. I remember when I started teaching statistics and I knew how to write R code, but I've never learned how to write, you know, Java. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh, I can never develop, you know, interactive learning things for my students. If I want to do that, I need to be able to hire somebody who'll do that for me. Sure. And then at some point that website will stop working because that's what happens with these. <laughs> right. um, but at least now, you know, it's so nice to be able to say, hey, as a person who is teaching R to do other things like statistics and data science, you can also create your own interactive learning um, you know, apps. And I think that's very empowering. And I know that the education community would love to see more um, kind of examples of it. Um, I hope to see more apps with creative UIs and layouts like the ones I've shown earlier. So I hope people mm -hmm. can kind of like push their creativity in terms of you know how their app looks in addition to what it does um and another thing is that i hope that people will find ways to be able to showcase their shiny chops even with the limitations of the contest i acknowledge that saying that your data needs to be publicly shareable and all of your code needs to be publicly shareable presents challenges for some people who might have developed a fantastic app for part of their work. And maybe their employer is perfectly happy with the app itself being shared, but not the data or the code. And that, that presents a challenge, but I hope that people are able to kind of carve out the technical bits of it that they have worked on and maybe put it in another publicly shareable app. Um, sure. It is important for us to hold on to that, I feel like, in order to make sure that the contest itself continues to be an effective learning uh, tool outside of the whole like contest experience. And the best way to do that is making sure that we can share the code. Um, so I know people got creative with it last time, and I'm, hope yep. I'm hoping that they'll push themselves uh, this time. 
And maybe one other thing I'll mention is um, one of the unexpected things I saw in the contest was the variety of applications of shiny oh, apps. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I coming at learn, I started learning shiny to do a very particular thing, as I said, to teach certain concepts to people. So that's where I came from. And then there are certain shiny apps I was familiar with, but I'll give you one example of something that was completely unexpected. Um, and if you are a pet owner, you are about to feel bad about yourself, I think. Oh, boy, yeah. Um, <laughs> Here come the feels, as I say. <laughs> yes, I, I I personally have four cats, and I the best I do is I, like, file away their medical records in a... Um, oh, why is this doing this? In a folder somewhere in my house. But so this particular app, which was one of the submissions, is about these two pets, Lila and Lloyd. And this is all of their medical records. Unfortunately, one of the dogs did have some medical issues during this time. But you can actually go through their entire vet history, uh, look at their vaccine history, their current vaccines, past vaccines, so on and so forth. You know, this is not only a great there's a lot of great technical things happening on this app, but mm -hmm. also the unexpected application area and how heartwarming it was is so cute. <laughs> um, so, you know, if people are wanting to put their pets pictures in their shiny apps, that's great. <laughs> or if they want to surprise me in some other ways about unexpected use cases, I think, I think it's really, really nice to see these different use cases to really like get a sense of, the broad applicability of R and Shiny in general. And I think it provides a really nice um, inspiration for people wanting to learn more about Shiny. Yeah, this is really hitting on a lot of levels, but it also shows you, whether it's just R itself or of course with Shiny, that sometimes just even helping yourself out keep track of things is a great way to learn. So obviously the developer of this application had a yeah. very important need to track down all these different parts of the medical history of their pets. And gosh, you know, just thinking outside the box a little bit, how can Shiny help you personally can often yeah. spur on these ideas that now, now you know anybody who has a pet can really uh, grok how awesome this is. So yeah, yeah, it just shows you, like you said, that variety and it's, it was really great to see last year. And I can tell you just being part of our CEO community and starting to see the submissions trickle down, you're definitely getting a lot of variety this year too. Yeah. So I think there's gonna be a lot of learning for your team as well as just all of us in the community itself. So I am excited to see where it takes us for sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, so Samina, it's been wonderful chatting with you. Um, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, um, what you're up to with Viva, with the uh, with the shiny team or elsewhere what's the best way they can get a hold of you um either mina at rstudio.com or i am on twitter as mina Bojek, but you'll have Great. to figure out how to spell that <laughs> we will have a link in the show notes for those that are not as adventurous to type that out themselves <laughs> <laughs> well again we want to thank you so much for joining us for this again the first edition of the uh, 2020 Shining Developer Series. And um, I certainly want to keep in touch with you because I have a lot of thoughts um, on how we develop more resources, like I said, for that intermediate slash expert user level. And I'm really excited to see where things go. So again, thank you so much. All right, thank you for having me. All right, and for those that are watching, um, please sure to go to shinydevseries.com 
for links to all the different materials online that we have posted both last year and the sessions this year, as well as a contact page directly there if you have ideas for topic suggestions or other enhancements. We welcome your feedback. So thanks so much, and we will see you next time.